Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Everybody, this is Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant, Holy Land, and as always, I'm joined by Jordan Woods today. How you doing today, Jordan? I'm doing good, man. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to say my normal it's Thursday thing. I'm off work tomorrow, and I'm going on a weekend trip. So it's Friday. Yeah, it, it's going to be. It, it is. It is Friday. Um, and the I mean the season's near. It's it is always good to talk ball. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I think this is this is going to finally we're transitioning a little bit more into actually talking about football again. I think it's that time of year. Ohio State's fall camp starts next week. We've got quite a bit of news. We've got some comments from Big Ten media days. Kevin Warren spoke. He speaks like twice a year, so it's going to be fun to kind of go through some of the stuff he talked about with different people. And then, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about recruiting too, but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, that's not, I mean, we're going to start there because I just kind of want to get that out of the way. (sighs) But yeah, it's been, it's been a week. It's been a week in that regard. Uh, It's been trying to enjoy the warm weather. Uh, it's been a little rainy. Sticking to my other hobbies, uh, trying to stay off Twitter, but sometimes it's hard. And I get it. I get it. You know, Ohio State's been on a cold stretch. They're like, it's hard to get used to cold stretches. But recruiting is recruiting for a reason, and there's a reason people pay so much money to follow recruiting. That's because it's hard, and there's a lot of information circulating, and there's a lot of stuff going on at all times. And it's one. Of, it was one of the largest growing industries in sports over the last 20 years for a reason. But looking at the show plan today, it looks like we're going to get started here with uh, Caleb Downs. Let's say I think we just get started with Caleb Downs there. Uh, we can just kind of rope them in together. Ohio State Caleb lost out. Caleb Downs, uh, John Walker this week. Not a good week. Unfortunately, back-to-back days, two top 100 recruits choosing to go other schools for a multitude of reasons. But I, I think today we kind of wanted to get into 
less the recruits themselves and more kind of the reasoning like why the Ohio State might not be the perfect destination for defensive recruits right now. I mean, I would just like to say, like, I'm just entirely shocked and appalled that Caleb Downs went to Alabama. I just can't believe that Alabama, of all places, just a terrible destination. He's never going to win a national championship. Nick Saban is a non-serious coach, and he's going to regret this decision forever and ever because why would a DB want to go to a place that puts DBs in the league, that's coached by a former DB, that wins a national championship every other year? I don't understand. I I just don't understand why a DB would want to do that. I just don't. I don't don't know anything. It truly flies right over my head why a DB would choose that life. Honestly. You want to be trained to go to the NFL? (laughs) You want to win two national championships in the three years that you're there? I mean, couldn't be me. Yeah. Could not be me. Yeah, like we joke a little bit here. But overall, like Caleb Downs didn't choose – a school that Ohio State's been better than over the last 15 years. Like, that's just real. And I know Alabama's defense might not have been as great last year, but they have at least they've had some defensive players of note the last few years. Like, look at Ohio State. I got it in the notes. Three of the last four years, are you saying you'd want to come and play in those defenses, honestly? And that's what they're actually looking at. Like, they know – Jim Knowles is new. They know Jim Knowles is here. But at the end of the day, Jim Knowles hasn't put a defense out on the field yet. So you could make promises. You could make – you could project what's happening. You could set expectations for what's to come. You can show recruits the plan. But even if they're not the best defense, they're still good enough and have competed for national championships on that side of the ball. I do think there's a lasting memory that Nick Saban can use to recruit against Ohio State where they're like, we put up 49 points on these guys. Yeah, but the thing is, it's Nick Saban. He doesn't have to compare anything to Ohio State. Like, he doesn't even have to mention Ohio State Mm -hmm. to get a recruit. Like, that's what's mind-blowing. Like, he doesn't have to, like, I don't know. It's Nick Saban. I like, yeah, and I, I, I think I'm, I'm tired of this. Is just more of a personal gripe with people. Oh, it's April. Alabama's got like the 56th ranked recruiting class in the country. Don't do I that. That's like that's like the one thing that's going to push Nick Saban over the edge every year. He's already hyper competitive. That's why he wins national championships. And you're going to give him external motivating factors to recruit more. I'm tired of it. Like, if Alabama's 56 in April next year, just expect them to be in the top three by the end of it and have, like, seven five-stars. Yeah, because that's how it happens literally yeah. every every time. Yeah, so that's that's one of the cold streaks, you know. I mean, you could go through the list. There's been quite a few defensive recruits that didn't choose. Another gripe Ohio State fans had this week actually happened right before the show, before we started recording. Uh, John Walker out of Osceola, Florida, chose UCF over Ohio State. And, yeah, it's like that sounds crazy, right? And then you Google how far where he lives is from. The University of Central Florida, it's an hour drive at most with traffic, 35, 40 minutes regularly. From the high school, I don't even know where he lives. Then you look at the fact 
you know, some people really do care about their family and want to stay close to home and be in the comfort of their home. And they want to play football where everybody in their family could come see them regularly. And that's not, that's a hard thing to recruit against. Like, even if you're Larry Johnson, even if you're a Perry Eliano, I mean, even if you're Ryan Day, like, that's a hard thing to recruit against is the allure of staying home, playing at your hometown college. And I don't think UCF's, like, a bad destination to go, especially with them going to the new Big 12. They'll be a competitive team, and if they can keep recruiting the Florida kids at the level they are, like, UCF will be a dangerous program for competing for New Year's Six Bowls and winning the new Big 12, which is probably going to be a step above the American Athletic Conference, but a step below the Big 10 and SEC. I mean, I don't have the energy to explain why recruiting happens or how it happens or that recruiting is not going into a board and picking a player and that player has to sign with you. There are so many reasons a person picks a school. And there's so many reasons a person doesn't pick a school. Like there's going to be pros and cons about every destination. Yeah, and there's they, not many people that's gone against what mom wants. Like, yeah, there's the one memorable recruit where, like, the mom was, like, actually pissed about the decision. And I don't remember what recruit that was. That was in, like, the last couple of years where, like, the mom didn't know and was, like, genuinely mad about it and stuff like that. Yeah, but that chose, doesn't like, happen often. It shows, like, Alabama instead of LSU. It's like, oh, yeah, terrible something. decision yeah. for your kid. Like, like that doesn't happen often. I, I just, I just have to say this. Like, I don't even know who this person is. I know the person that retweeted it, and I think they just thrive off chaos. This is only one person, but literally, a fan just tweeted that we need a new coach. Yeah, and that's literally like what we were talking about before. Anyone that's listening to this podcast, my Twitter is Jordan W three three L. If you think we need a new coach, please at me or DM me and tell me who the coach is. Like, I like this is like that thing that people always say when like all pro teams and pro bowl teams and all NBA and that kind of stuff. If you want to take somebody, if you want to add somebody, then be a man or woman and say who you're taking off. Like, if you're like, I hate Jordan on this podcast and who's replacing me? Nobody, but like, like if you're gonna say you need a new coach, like pick the coach. Pick Who the is, coach. You're gonna say Matt Campbell? What has he proved oh, anything? Okay. I, I Matt never... Campbell, Jim Harbaugh, like he can't beat his rival either. Jim Harbaugh would eat Matt Campbell for breakfast, and I like Matt Campbell, but he yeah. couldn't handle this. I like job. Matt Campbell. Luke Fickle. I mean, he's at Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, like, is a he's a good coach, and maybe he gets the job. But OSU fans, like I said to you before the show, are going to absolutely. Riot when he accepts a five foot eight corner from Ohio who's number eight hundred in the nation, and because he saw it's Luke him. Fickle, so he's probably going to turn him into an NFL draft pick. But that recruiting strategy is not going to work at Ohio State like it did under Jim Tressel because Ryan Day and Urban Meyer have changed the landscape of recruiting. Yeah, Marcus, and I don't know Marcus Freeman because he's competing with Ohio State in a recruiting class. He's not. Like it's like mean, non-serious. It's a non-serious question. It's a non-serious the Notre approach Dame to job. It. Like is an easier job than Ohio State. If you I don't know that promote Marcus Ryan Hartline to be the head coach, like this is another one. 
Like he's just going to have the same issues. Like the offense is going to be really good. The defense. You're going to turn Brian. You're going to turn Brian Hartline into Luke Fickle because he's going to have one year, fire him, and everyone's going to hate him because yeah. he's not ready for the job. Right. Yeah, sorry, I cut you off about what you're going to say about our guy Marcus Freeman coming up. Yeah, Notre Dame was a much easier job than Ohio State. Yeah, they they all love him right now. And the thing is, he can struggle a little bit and have, like, like room to grow. Like, if he goes 8-4 and four this year, he's not getting fired. Yeah, He's getting fired at Ohio State if he goes 8-4. and four. I understand that Ohio State's his alma mater and things like that. I don't see him just picking up and leaving. And as, as being such a young coach, he's not going to have the autonomy that he has there. Like, he's just not – he's not going to be able to bring his coaching staff of 27-year-olds to Ohio State no. and hire all his buddies and stuff like that. I don't think he leaves. And realistically, Ohio State is – the the best of the best, they're not hiring a first time head coach. It's, I would be, well, I, I guess Ryan Day was a first time head coach, but like Ryan Day wasn't thirty and had had years of experience and whatever. And but also people hated that Ryan Day was a first time head coach. Yeah, absolutely, like, we can't ignore the fact that like fans did not want Ryan Day to be the coach because he had never done it before. So like they're not going to go back to back first time head coaches, and they're not going to hire a coach. Like he, I mean, it's just not. Just, just thinking about it, Ryan Day has lost four football games. Something like years. that. Yeah, four football games. He's lost to Clemson. He's lost to Alabama. He's lost to Oregon, and he's lost to Michigan. All of whom were ranked in the top ten at the time the game was played. He's been to the playoffs twice, right? Or just yeah. once? Uh, twice. He's won the Big Ten twice. He's got like, like, even if, like, if Ryan Day, like, didn't hire Kerry Coombs and Jeff Halfley didn't get the job at Boston College, what are we talking about here? Like, we're, like, people are tweeting out fire coach Ryan Day because of where recruiting class is on July 28th. And, like, I know I said this kind of joking and in passing before the show, but do you guys know where the Ohio State recruiting class is right now? No. It's number one. And you're unhappy. Like, yes, Ohio State's missed on some defensive recruits, but there are football games to be played in August, or not August, September, October, November, December, that will potentially sway defensive recruits. Because guess what? This is a new staff. This is a new defense. This is everything about it is new. This is the third coach in four seasons or five seasons, it, it's a lot of turnover. He had Shiano, then he went Halfley, Coombs, and now you're back to a new coach. Three out of the last four years, the defense has been atrocious. You had the Halfley year, then you had the two Coombs years, and you had the Shiano year before this season. It's been a wreck, and it makes it hard to recruit. And Jim Knowles, Historically, hasn't been known as a recruiter, but you want to know what Jim Knowles does? He develops players. He runs an organized defense. He prioritizes important downs. And when that shows up on Saturday, on September 3rd, with plenty of players in attendance, I'm sure you're going to hear some momentum shift. And you could come back to this podcast and be like, man, I should have been patient. You know, July is a long way from National Signing Day. 
<sighs> but you know, recruiting, I, and this is something I, I think people forget. Recruiting is absolutely a marathon. It is not a sprint, and it is not over until February, whatever the day is. So, I just think the overreactiveness, and I, I'm going to use this. I mean, it's the middle of July. We 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 complain about it almost every show. There's not a lot to talk about at this point in time. So I, I just think there's a little bit of boredom to it. I think the loss to Michigan amplifies everything a little bit more, especially because they lost because of the defense. But the offense can be better this year. The defense will, if they get past Notre Dame, have a few games to grow into itself before they take on their next challenging opponent. Notre Dame is not a challenging opponent for the defense. It, if we're going to talk about Notre Dame, we should be honest. Their offense is going to suck. Yeah, and both of their quarterbacks suck. I think their I think their offensive line's fine. I don't think their receivers are really anything that should challenge Denzel Burke or Cam Brown. They have a solid tight end though. They have a really like, good tight like end. That's that's the thing that I'm going to be worried about. Yeah. That tight end versus our linebackers. Tyler Buckner could run a little bit, so they'll get him going in that read option game so if you're not organized we saw what happened with anthony brown in oregon like that gave them some trouble last year so there are some question marks that will be answered immediately but in reality i'd say if ohio state could hold notre dame to 21 points they're gonna score at least 35 you just need to keep them under 30 points and ohio state should win almost every single game yeah yeah, I mean, I don't know, but yeah, I, I think we're we're both on the page. Like, yes, this sucks. This has been a tough recruiting streak, but you need to look at this from a standpoint of reason and not emotion, and you'll feel a lot better about it. Yeah. Also, just my piece of advice is like, please find something else to care about in your life. Like, if you're like stressing out over recruiting in July, like, like go out on the porch. With a portable speaker, a beverage of your choosing, and just like enjoy the nice weather. Weather like there's so much going on in life to be stressed. Like, and I say this as someone who like barely enjoys watching Ohio State football games because I stress myself out so much. Don't live Ohio State or any fandom wire to wire. You're literally going to make yourself miserable because no one is going to be perfect. Yeah. Nothing is going to be perfect. If you were stressing out over recruiting in July, please go do something else. Go for a walk. What's a the, long drive. What's the like Twitter something. comment thing? People say, go touch some grass. <laughs> like, put the phone down. <laughs> go go, go kiss your wife, husband, kids, girlfriend, boy, whatever it is. Like, mom, on the, like, do something. Like, go give mom a hug. Take her out. Like, when's the last time you saw your grandma or grandpa? Like, there is something you should be doing. Other than this, I promise yeah. you. Yeah, and at the end of the day, recruiting is one key to the cog. And it's going to figure itself out. It always does. And Ohio State will be fine. And I think one thing we should mention before we move on to uh, the comments about the recruiting weekend. Um, like... The defensive class was really good last year. The defense is incredibly young right now. And you have time to 
rebuild those recruiting relationships. And you really, like we said about Justin Fry, like our wins and losses aren't going to be defined by the class he's had eight months to try to get, you know. Or, or the wins and losses will be defined by 2024, 2025, when there is really a lot on the line and there's plenty of time to build those relationships. And that's just really what it is. Like this is this was always going to be a tough challenge with turnover, especially when you lose a recruiter like Kerry Combs, who is very personal and into the relationship aspect of recruiting. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Also, like I'm, I'm I just don't care. Like I've been to recruiting weekends. Like obviously not at Ohio State, but like I've been on big recruiting weekends. That's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. Like I like I understand and like I'm I'm I promise you I'm not one of those people who are like nothing matters everything's great like you don't want anyone to feel that way definitely you don't but the point of big recruiting weekends of like these bashes and things like that is to get everyone together it's not one on one time that's what you go to the high schools for that's what you call on FaceTime that's what you get like individual official visits when there's only two or three people coming and you come to games like there is a lot of time in the calendar for one on ones and that is very necessary and a big part of it these big recruiting weekends are exactly what they are. They're not for FaceTime. They're too- That's like a recruit coming to a camp and saying, I didn't get enough time with the coaches on the camp with the 200 other people here. So it's like, sure, you don't want to hear that. But again, I've been to big recruiting weekends. I've seen what camps are like. I've seen camps run at a lot of different places that are absolutely hot garbage. Like, they couldn't tell a good player if they punched them in the face because like, so I'm not here to say that like ignore it and it doesn't matter. I'm here to say that the sky is not falling and that they will be fine. And there's even still a chance that that kid that said that commits to Ohio yeah, state that's the it's about, not it. about one weekend. Like it's just, it's just not like, yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, I, I can't understand like kids are, changing a little bit and I think that one-on-one time is important for some and I do think you're right like there are big recruiting weekends and if you get you like there is conversation about how you schedule the official visit like if you don't want to be a part of the really big recruiting weekend I'm assuming they'd be open if you're one of their target like cherished recruits to another day because they're like oh yeah that's fair like that makes sense to me but I think the one takeaway about it to me was it felt disorganized. And I think that if true, like, I don't know, like I've never ran a recruiting event, you know, from for I did in my fraternity, but not for a college football team of Ohio State's caliber. I don't know what goes into it. Like for years, like the Buckeye barbecue, whatever the Buckeye bash, like it was just supposed to be a really good time, a fun time for recruits to hang out with each other, get to know the coaches there around. And then it's supposed to be good vibes. It's not supposed to be this chop sesh every minute, like every hour with one single recruit. It's not mentorship. It's not a parent-teacher conference, you know. Like there's a lot more that goes into the recruiting process, and there's a lot of time for individual conversation. And I think if that's the expectation at a big recruiting weekend like that, I think it's kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, 
I have come on here and complained multiple times. I will be the first one to admit when I think something is a problem. I just don't think that like all the in immediate minor details need to be like ironed out. I mean, this honestly, Ohio State football has been so much worse. Urban Meyer didn't fire a domestic abuser. Like, yeah. it's just like, I mean, I don't know, man. He I just think that. Like, yeah, like, need to relax. It's it, July. Yeah. It, uh, before we get to Big Ten Media Days, I just want this this comment I've seen thrown around is like Ryan Day needs to re, like, focus the staff, like refocus himself, and like all. I've seen like he's not taking it serious. And I'm like, like the defensive side seriously. He changed his entire. Defensive staff outside of Larry Johnson. Literally. Like, how is that not a serious approach to getting the defense right? And that's just, like, me to you asking that question. How is that not serious? How is bringing in a new defensive coordinator, paying him $2 million because he just had a top 10 defense in the country and took a defense that gave up 500 yards per game four years ago and turned into one that gave up 260 yards per game? Like, you add Perry Eliana, who just had multiple first-round picks at DBs, but you mentioned it earlier with Luke Fickle, we're not even high-end recruits, low 300s, 400-level guys. First-round picks, second-round picks, you know, Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant, both drafted. You bring in Tim yeah. Walton, years of NFL experience. You have all three, like, different types of vibes and energies to change up the room and you're you're telling me that's not serious <laughs> yeah uh, so I just I, I just think we're to that point of the offseason where it's easy to just get mad about little things because it's what we see in the news and that's where I'm trying to take a step back from it you know I, I just think at the end of the day Go and enjoy yourself before football gets back. Because in reality, the real stress comes on Saturdays in the fall. And everything else comes from that. And this team, like, at the end of the day, this team has, like, all the makings to win a national title. So if they do that, it should be very good for defensive recruiting. Yeah, also, last thing I got to say about it, I actually said this before. Last year's defensive recruiting class was so good that, like, there probably was a bigger focus on offense. Because you think about it, like, how many, like, how many wide receivers could they lose this year? JSN's not the only. JSN could go if Julian Fleming has a good year. He, he could, could go. go. That's two. Marvin Harrison can't, but like. I mean, there's a, too, I, that's a lot of guys to lose still. Like, of that caliber. What year is that? He's eligible, right? Yeah, he's year two. He was a freshman really? last year, yeah. Are you sure about that? Yeah, 100%. Emeka came in with um, JT. Hmm. Didn't we look like both, it, though. We got both of those guys from, from Seattle in the same class. Yeah. Yeah, and then okay. that's, that's either way. Like that's something else. Like you just got JT out of Washington. Like you're not going to win every national recruiting battle. That's impossible. And I, I think one of the things, and we kind of use like like we bring up Ari a lot on the show. Ari Wasserman from the Athletic. 
Like Ohio State, like the state of Ohio's talent this year is not the best it's been. Uh-oh. I'd say offensive lines solid. Everywhere else, not great. I think I saw someone tweet that Ohio, the state of Ohio, has four four-star corners in it next year. Yeah. Do you know what that means? Ohio State should be okay. Yeah. But yeah. Oh yeah, Sunny Styles is supposed to be in this class. How, how would fans feel if they lost Caleb Downs, but Sunny Styles was still in the 2023 class? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just like again, I'm not telling you like not to be upset. I have my concerns about the class. Yeah. I'm concerned I, about uh, linebacker for sure. We're both and concerned. I'm really, in, I'm concerned about tackle. Although I, I, I've said and you've said that tackle may be something that needs a year because the coach is new and these relationships have been built longer and things like that. Like I found out that it was either a Laos, one of the tackles that's going to Miami. The Oregon staff is the first staff to offer them. I think that was a Laos, honestly. And then, like, um, what's his name? Uh, Samson has had a, a relationship with Mel Tucker for three years. Yeah. Like, and that's not – I, mean, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to uh, Michigan State. But, like, these relationships just aren't there yet. And the other thing is, like, some of the, the guys that these people are recruiting now, there was never a relationship because they weren't going to UCLA. They weren't going to Cincinnati. Tim Walton was in the NFL. Like, so yeah. they don't have relationships yet. Have gone on two or three years so but even still even knowing that I'm still worried about you know yeah. some, of, some of the positions and things like that so I'm not saying that there's nothing to be concerned about I am not a uh, I'm not a glass half full guy and I am not a rosy sun a rosy glasses guy but I am realistic and I do know at least in my opinion what is and is not worth stressing over yeah Ohio State will have a top five class this year they'll probably have a top three class this year so Take that for what it's worth. And if that's not good enough for you, there's some other things we might have to work out. All right. But I think we're I think we're good there. I think we covered everything we wanted to talk about in a little bit more um, in this section. I, let's get to Big Ten Media Days. I, I'm, I'm excited about this because I think we get to talk about some real football here. I do. Like on the field, people who were at Ohio State, and I, I was really excited to hear, I, I hear Ryan Day talks. Like he he's a professional; he understands the assignment when he's talking to reporters. But hearing C.J. Stroud, hearing Ronnie Hickman, hearing Jackson Smith and Jigba is always fun. So I think that that's more what I'm excited to talk about. But I think we'll start with the head man himself, Ryan Day. Uh, I I think the football aspect here we'll start here uh he said he expects a top 10 defense at ohio state and anything less than that is not good enough so looking into that expect is a big word uh not like in in act being an actual big word but like in what it means like the expectation at Ohio State is the Silver Bullets defense. You think AJ Hawk, you think James Laurinaitis, you think uh, Raekwon McMillan, you think those 2004 that 2014 team, and they weren't even the best defense guys. Just want to, I want to put that out there stat wise. Like they weren't in the the top ten, but uh, they had dudes and they made big plays when they needed to. And I think at that in the modern game of college football, that's important to have the dudes 
And I, I think top 10 defense to me, you know, there's statistics, you know, yards per play. That, that's the one I like to use the most because it takes out pace of play, you know, yards per game, scoring defense. And I think there are reasonable expectations to where you could expect it. And then obviously there's like, oh, man, like the eye test goes into it as well. Like this defense has some bad dudes on it. And I think I think that's kind of where we have to grasp all those expectations. So I asked the Buck Off podcast Twitter page following – do they expect a top 10 defense next year? A resounding 76% said yes. What do you think, Jordan? Top 10 defense. And then we'll see. Then we can talk about if they actually need a top 10 defense. So, like, not to be difficult, but, like, what do you mean by expect? Like, do I expect they will be top 10 or do I want them to be top 10? No, like, because if it's the second one, I expect them to be top 10 every year. Yeah. I ex- like, that is a, an expectation that should be realistic for Ohio State and realistic for the talent on that team. Like, the Ohio State defense being as bad as it was was ridiculous with how talented they are. So, relatively... I do expect them to maintain a top 10 defense every single year. And maybe this is semantics, but, like, am I expecting to see a top 10 defense, though? I think that's a separate question, and I am not expecting them to be top 10 this year because as good as Nose defense is, it is still the first year of something. And they are still relatively young. They're not young at certain spots. Like, they're not young at safety. They're, like, really old at safety now. Um, Ronnie Hickman's a fourth-year guy. Um, Tanner McAllister and um, um, Josh Proctor. Josh Proctor, fifth-year guys. Lathan Ransom is somehow a third-year guy now, right? Um, Ken Martinez is a third-year guy. Court Williams is at least a second-year guy. Yep. Um, is he second or third, though? I believe he is a second-year guy. No, no, I think yeah. this is going to be no, his third. No, he's third, third right? This is going to be his third year because yeah. he came so in like, injured. This will be his yeah. – he'll be a sophomore eligibility-wise, but, but it's third, third year. Program. Yeah, second offseason. So, yeah, it's just like – so – I don't like I my expectation would be 15 most likely but in general I do expect Ohio State to have a top 10 defense and I believe that Ohio State should I, I believe that Ohio State should expect to have a top 10 defense every year I believe that Ryan Day should set that standard and hold that standard and there should be hell to pay if they don't meet that standard and by hell to pay I don't mean firings you can't fire a coach every year and I think Jim Knowles is great but there needs to be some sort of conversation, reckoning, whatever, of like, this is not acceptable. Um, so, yeah, that's a long way of saying yes. I expect them to have a top 10 defense every year. Yeah, so I, I voted yes in my own poll uh, from the OIS, uh, from my personal page because I fully well, believe voted it. in your own poll? Yeah, I, 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 there was only like four votes in, so I'm like, I need at least five votes. Uh, but last year... Uh, Wisconsin led the country in opponents yard per play at four. And they had a relatively tough schedule. Uh, They had some good teams on it. Ohio State was 35th in yards per play last year with 5.1. And fun fact, most of that came in four games. 
So if you could clean up the yardage total and the yards per play total against the best teams on your schedule, they're going to be a top 10 yards per play defense. Scoring, you know, scoring gets a little weird because I think in blowouts, you kind of give up some touchdowns you might not give up normally, you know, once the second players and third players start getting in the game. But there, like, there are stats where Ohio State, important stats. And I think when I look at a good defense, the most important stats, red zone scoring percentage, the touchdown percentage, and then yards per play, third down conversion rate for the opposing offense. So if you're good on third down, if you limit touchdowns in the red zone and you do not give up big chunk plays, your defense is going to be fine. And – Honestly, with the talent at Ohio State, a fine defense should be right around 10 to 20. And a good defense is a top 10 defense. So doing that, like, algebra I just made up right there, Ohio State should have a top 10 defense. Absolutely. That's my opinion. I think you've got the defensive line to do it. I think you've got the secondary that will limit big plays. The question mark, and we're going to talk about this in our fall camp preview, the linebackers, if they're not a liability, they should be a really – they should be at least a good defense. Yeah. You know what? You know I never say no to talking about linebackers. So whenever yeah. you're ready, you yeah. know, we could, we could have spent two hours talking about linebackers. We didn't need to talk about anything else. You know what? We're going to do a bonus pod before the season starts. It's going to be called the linebacker chalk talk, and we're just going to go through every linebacker on the roster and talk about them because I think they deserve it. Hey, don't tempt me with a good time. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, the reason I asked that question, I, I think – So, how good to you does the defense have to be for you to feel confident in at least playing in a national championship game? Top 20? That's where I'm at. I think, honestly, I think you could be 20 to 30 and Ohio State's offense, you just need stops. And if you get a few stops to let the offense get momentum, it could get dangerous. Yeah, I'd say top 20 to – so I'd say top 30 to make the playoffs because you're going to make the playoffs if you win a Big Ten. I say top 20 to make the championship game because it just depends on who you run into. Like, I I know how you feel, so I hate to bring up this name, but there's too many he who shall not be named, so it's going to get confusing. So I'm just going to say the L word. If the L word gets the U word running – they should be in the playoffs, and their offense is going to be good. So a top 30 defense may not be good enough. A top 30 defense is absolutely not good enough to feel confident going into a game against Alabama's offense. That doesn't mean we couldn't beat Alabama, especially with the offense, but I wouldn't go in confident with a top 30 defense. So, I mean, um, who else should have a good – I mean – Offense is just doing what it's doing, you know what I mean? So it's like if, um, if you know, there's a lot of potential, right? Like we should – I mean, if we ever had to play Purdue, we should blow them out again because they don't have the defense. But Purdue be slinging that thing. So, like, Maryland, I mean – 
honestly, like, I'm not even going to hold you. The more I'm thinking about Maryland this year, if this defense isn't fixed, we could have a 2018 Maryland game where they put up, like, 40 and it's a shootout because Maryland's offense should be stupid. Like, I talk about it more in the Big Ten preview, or if you want to listen to not this coming Monday, the next Monday episode of uh, of uh, I-70 show. Like, we're going to talk about Maryland in that show. But, like, they have Talua Tagovailoa, Rakeem Jarrett, and Dante Dimas Jr. is going to be healthy again. And I believe they got a wide receiver transfer from, like, LSU or somewhere that they probably shouldn't have no business getting a transfer from. And they're returning their entire offensive line. So, like, yeah, I'd say top 20. I wouldn't feel comfortable top 30. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I I just think reasonable expectations. uh, I mean, looking back, and I used this team before, uh, but LSU's defense when they won a championship with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, you know the offense, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, I honestly kind of looking at things a little bit, I'm seeing some eerie, not eerie, What's the? I need like an antonym to eerie, but I'm not a words guy. Uh, some similarities. Oh, we do words on the audio platform. Yeah, we don't know words. <laughs> um, like there's some similarities on the offensive side. Defensively, they had a solid pass rusher when he was healthy and Kalevon Chase on. I think JT Tuomaleu or Jack Sawyer could fill that perfectly. If you get after the passer, your defense immediately gets better. Uh, that was when Derek Singley Jr. was good. Uh, Ohio State has Denzel Burke. You know, I I couldn't name uh, – I, I can't remember. I think Devin White was on that team, so maybe we do need a dude at linebacker. But I'm hoping by committee they'll be fine. Uh, and then, yeah, just overall I think you have enough talent and enough pieces there to be able to – in a one-game situation, have the better players at important enough positions to get the job done against anybody. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with that entirely. Like, um, I mean, even looking at Ohio State versus Clemson in 2020, like the defense wasn't good, but they played really good that night. And until they let Trevor Lawrence run for 70 yards for the touchdown. Yeah, that's, that was 2019. It was 2020. Oh. When That was two years ago. That's two years. Time is a flat circle, man. I can't believe that's two years ago. Yeah. Like, when Tyreek Smith man. convinced me he was going to be a first-round pick. Never get convinced. Yeah, Don't not- let the eye candy fool you. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was a good one. Uh, some other football stuff. Do you want to talk? I mean, let's get let's let's keep it with the glory positions here. Offensive line depth. Uh, this is a question later as well, but this is something Ryan Day brought up specifically again, and we we don't bring him up. He who must not be named anymore. I, I accidentally made the mistake when Jordan was out, but I'm not sure even you yet. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've made it up yet, honestly. Uh, <laughs> but just looking into this, he is very much uh, taking it personally, and I don't think there is a coach internally with more pressure than Justin Fry. Like on the, like because there is an expectation offensively, and that defense is expected to be fixed. But 
the public comments about the offensive line specifically, when every other position group's like very much set, eh, there's some pressure there. Yeah, I still think there's more pressure on the defense. Because realistically, like, CJ Stroud wasn't sacked a lot last year. Like, there were, like, very glaring weaknesses, like, in short yardage and against, like, certain teams. But the offensive line wasn't bad. It just wasn't good. So, like, at a bare minimum, like, Ohio State's not putting in first-rounders, but they're putting in third-rounders. So, like, that is not acceptable. That is not what I'm saying. But I still think the onus falls significantly more on the defense than it does on the offensive line because the offensive line could have been what it was last year and we still could have made the national championship if we had a defense. Yeah. So, like, I get what you're saying and I know exactly why you're saying it. I just don't think it's true. I I still think it's Jim Knowles and the defense. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, just think about it. Like, Ryan Day didn't come out there and say our next three offensive tackles need to be first-round picks. He said the defense needs to be top ten in the country. So, I I think that's where it lies. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I think the defense, like, the whole defensive side of the staff, and I I think it more from an individual coach standpoint because – Collectively as a unit, you're bringing in a new staff. They all have the same amount of pressure. Like this, we're yeah, I would say saviors. I don't think so. I think it's all on Jim Knowles. I think it's all on Jim Knowles. I I don't know. And I think he's he admitted that himself. He is such a calm human being. I think that's why I feel really good about this season. But yeah, no, I I just think. He's not excited about the OL depth, and that's definitely a shot at Hugh must not be named because that's a recruiting shot. Uh, Josh Fryer was out for the spring with an injury. Uh, you've got guys like Zan Wachowski, who we just haven't really seen enough of. Uh, e- Enoch Vimahi, I mean, this is his I kind of prove it this year so he could be the guy next year, kind of Matt Jones style. And then, you know, outside of, like, the first five, there are a lot of question marks. And I think that's where Justin Fry's job, I don't think, is to have the best five ready. I think it's to develop the next five for the next year. And that's where we're really going to know who Justin Fry is, if he is that guy. Because if he could take a group of kind of some misfit recruits and a little bit more misfit toys and all that, and turn them into an offensive line that you feel comfortable running the football on third and eight. Like, that is something that would be exciting. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I did not disagree to say that he does not have his work cut out for him. He absolutely does. Um, I just, you know, obviously think that, you know, Jim Knowles has it the toughest. Um, but, you know, Fry is, is in the top three for sure. Um, yeah. Jim Knowles may be one and two, honestly. As defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. Yeah, exactly. You knew exactly what I was going to say. Um, but, yeah, so. Yeah, I think I, if I had to power rank the new coaches and, like, the difficulty of their job, Knowles with the defensive coordinator aspect and linebackers for sure number one without a doubt. Perry Eliano's got a ton of experience, and we saw what he did developing, so I'm not completely worried about the safety room at all. Tim Walton's got Denzel Burke, and then he's got a fifth-year guy in Cam Brown, who when he's healthy, even honestly when he wasn't fully healthy last year, was still an incredibly effective corner. So those two, Jim Knowles, and Justin Fry have the development aspect and a lot of the issues like on the offensive side last year were 
specifically related to the position group that Fry's coaching. So there's, I think those two guys, they have different individual pressure, but as an entire unit, the defense has the most pressure. I think we could very much be clear about that. So like yeah. individually, I'd say one Knowles, two Fry, three Walton, four Eliano, just because I just feel there's so much experience in the safety room. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Then from a, and he has Kai Stokes. He's good for the next three years. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that was really what I wanted to talk about with Ryan Day. I know Ryan Day said he was excited about realignment. Was on the golf course with Chip Kelly. I think that's fun. Uh, he also said he doesn't want to play Chip Kelly because hey, it's hard to play a friend. And I just know it's unfortunate for UCLA, but I just don't think that would be a very close football game. I, I tend to think that you'd be right. And I don't think Ryan Day is going to pull punches with Chip Kelly because he's going to remember those nights where he's like, hey, coach, I, I, I got dinner with my wife scheduled for 930. It's like, no, we got to watch extra film on Arizona this weekend. Just make sure we're all good to go. They've got a guy named Scooby Wright. He's going to be like, coach, he's going to remember that. And it's going to be 63 to 6. Sign me up. Um, but yeah, before we get to the players, I think it's time for a quick ad break. Uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Welcome back in, everybody. Uh, it's been a fun show. Uh, it's been a good show. We got some real football conversation in. We ranked some coaches in there. The pressure, it's all pressure at Iowa State. It's a pressure cooker. I love when I'm watching Iron Chef. They just bring out the pressure cooker because I know magic is about to happen. So, uh, with that saying, uh, no pressure, no diamonds. I, I think at the end of the day, you don't take the Ohio State job unless you want that. And I, I think that is where Ryan Days, I, I think I think this was something that was tweeted at me before we get into the other players. Like, uh, Ohio State and the unrealistic expectations. Like, when Ryan Day said that 11-2, and two, and this is the last Ryan Day thing before we get into it, because I think it encapsulates everything that's coming up with all the other players. He, Ryan Day said maybe at some places 11-2 and two with the Rose Bowl victory is a good year. It isn't at Ohio State. Our three goals are beat the team up north, win the Big Ten Championship, and win the National Championship. And I think Ohio State fans were very much humbled with the expectations of those goals because it all starts up north or in Columbus the weekend after Thanksgiving when they play Michigan. And they lost that game. And that is where I think everyone comes back to Rose Bowl great. Winning 11 games, you know, that is a successful year for most programs. But if you go 11-2 and two and you lose to Michigan, that's a failure. If you go 11-2 and two and beat Michigan, I think you could still reasonably call that season a success. You take the Michigan loss out and say, I, I, I can't remember – if we played Wisconsin last year, I I don't think we did. Say they lost to Wisconsin instead, like a good Wisconsin team. You're not as mad about 11-2. and two. And that's just kind of what my point was. I don't think it's because the expectations are too high. I just think they missed the opportunity on the most important expectation, and that's why Ohio State fans are so upset about it. Yeah, I mean, you can't lose to Michigan. We were never going to beat them for the rest of time, but – that doesn't mean we're going to accept losing to them either. 
Yep. And I think that's that's where I think other like other people who are like kind of upset about Ryan Day's comments are like missing the point. It's like it starts with Michigan, and like and the expectation is to win a national championship every year. But there are successful seasons without that Big Ten championships beating Michigan. Ohio State went 0 for 3. So it's a hard reset. And the expectations this year are to get back onto the mountaintop because that is Ohio State. And you can accomplish two of those goals without the third one and still have a really, really good year. Yeah, I mean, we don't win a national championship every year. Haven't since 14. And. I'm not a clock's ticking guy, but I, I feel like C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jake Petravion Anderson, the offensive line, it, it's it's a, it's a good opportunity this year to get it done. Yeah. There's uh, no time like the present. No, no time yeah. like the present. All right, which, which one of the three representatives do we want to go into first? Um... I want to talk about Ronnie because I actually watched one of Ronnie's like comments or whatever. I actually watched his press conference and he basically said, because they were talking about, you know, a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. But one of the things that really stuck out to me that I think is like a different team, he said two things. One is true. One, I think, sets an expectation. The first thing he said is it's hard to be a leader when you're young and everything is new. And he, and he mentioned all of the young guys who are playing time. JT, Jack, himself, um, Ty League, Denzel, you know, all of those players, you know, are young and trying to find a voice in a leadership role. And it's similar. It kind of echoes what Day says a lot about CJ Stroud, where like he was a leader, but you have different you have a different voice when you put it on the field. Like when people see what you can do and then you tell them, hey, you ran your route wrong. You're not running hard enough. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. People respect you more. So I thought that was pretty true. And and he acknowledged that that is not an excuse, and he needed to say that. It didn't sound like he was making an excuse, but you still need to say that. The other thing he said, though, that I liked is they were talking about – I didn't exactly hear the question, but they were talking about squads and how, like, they lift in squads of, like, people, right? So, like – not players like linebackers and then DBs and then defensive line and then offensive line. The squads are in a mix between the team. And he was talking about that. I don't know why that's important, but one of the, they asked him some sort of question and he responds and it's like, he got a little bass in his voice. Like it was a stupid question. Cause it probably was. And he was just like, you can't call yourself a leader. If you pick and choose who you're leading. Like yeah, you need absolutely. to be like a leader. You have to be a leader at all times. Like if you're only going to talk to certain people, then that's not leadership. And I was like, I didn't hear the question, but that's an answer. And I really feel like, you know, they, I don't care. They keep talking about councils and committees and this, that, and the third, and none of that stuff helps you win games. I don't care about it. Do what you do in the locker room, whatever. But him saying something like that made me feel like he had really stepped into something something and that he is going to be a leader on the defense and aside from his just pure talent and things like that i think that's why he ended up you know getting the adjuster position because that is not just about being talented that he calls it the adjuster for a reason because you have to adjust everyone on the field and if you don't have that cachet if you don't have that respect if you don't have that voice it doesn't matter like if you tell 
time like you have to be able to tell Tommy Eichenberg he hit the wrong gap. He has just yeah. he's played just as much as you. You have to be able to play tell the older player and Zach Harrison, I think is a year older than him still. Ronnie's been here a couple years though. Yeah, because Ronnie's not draft eligible, right? No, he's Ronnie this is this year, year, yeah. But he, But he wasn't last year. Yeah, I believe so. Either way, you have to tell the older player and Zach Harrison or, you know, whoever else is there that, like, you're not, like, you were supposed to slant this way. You're supposed to do that. Flip sides. Like, you have to be able to command that respect. And you have – the younger guys have to be able to, like, be able to come to you and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, like, there's just a lot to it. So that at least gave me a little bit of, you know, pride because – and probably is the wrong word, probably, but it gave me a little bit of optimism because we talked about it last year. Like, who are the leaders? Yeah, and it was, was a big issue. And it took Marcus, uh, well, not Marcus Williamson, uh, Tamario McCall was like the guy in the Rose Bowl locker room and he didn't even play. And that's that won't be the case this year at all, I don't think. Uh, but I, so you brought up the bass in his voice. There was a lot of confidence with Ronnie when he was asked about like the defense, how it's been with Jim Knowles. Uh, and he said, like, we've learned a lot of stuff. We've put in a lot already through spring. Like, I'm very confident. And I think the one I added to the show plan was uh, – hold on. I scrolled too far. Uh, he said um, – God, I, I'm blanking on it because it's not there. Uh, he said they're just really excited to show the world what they're going to be about this season. And I think when, you know – the leader of the defense. There's a reason he was the guy who's representing Ohio state of big 10 media days for the defense. It is really amplified the fact that it's like, we have all put this work in. We have all put everything into learning in the spring and come fall. We're going to hit the ground running to make sure that what we put on the field this year is the best we can put on the field. And that. I, and it wasn't like someone just saying it. I, I like once he said he had the bass in his voice. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like he was speaking with a lot of conviction and a lot of confidence. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, hey, like that is important from the first guy on the team to have 100 tackles in years. So yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be an important player. He'll probably be a captain this year. Uh, I think. Are you sure? I was told he was going to lose his job. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I mean, you can never be sure in college football. Uh, but I'm pretty sure about that one. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that that is a, a sign of things to come. Uh, so. Yeah. I, I I was really really happy to hear that, as I always am. Um, but I, I do like the quote that you said that you put in here about covering Jackson Smith and Jigba. You said, you better yeah. hope it's a bad ball. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I love the honesty because most DBs are, are not going to answer that way. But yeah, I, I just think there's – yeah, I think Jackson Smith and Jigba's that dude. So it is my the favorite I, quote I picked out of it all. Yeah, the other thing that I like that wasn't funny, but it's just kind of like, you know, it says it is like he really big up the corners, especially the young guys. Right. He didn't mention Cam Brown. And I don't think that's no disrespect. I think we know what Cam Brown is. He mentioned Denzel, JK, Jordan Hancock. And he said that, like, they're playing really well. But he's also like, so we've all seen this, right? Whether it's at Ohio State or at our Division Five football team we played for or whatever. 
we always see the guys who are supposed to be good, who never want to work hard, who don't want to take the reps yeah. and things like that. And he basically said that, like, they were jumping, like, they jump at the chance, like, jump in front of the line, that kind of stuff, to guard Marvin Harrison Jr. and those type of players. And he's just like, and he's like, and I've seen them do it. He's like, they, they make plays on, on these guys. And it's like, as we all say, because it's true, if you can do it against them, you can do it against anyone in the country. Yeah, I mean, that's a big reason Denzel Burke ended up starting week one last year. Yeah, so, like, they're not doing – like, they're not, you know, they're not running from the grind, I guess is a way no to put fear. it. No uh, fear. But, yeah, I was excited. I mean, Ronnie, uh, I, he's an incredibly I, – I think from the first time he was on the field, I remember against Michigan State with multiple personal foul penalties to where he's at now, like the – dedication's been there i think he's really grown into the football player the coaching staff thought he could become and now i just think it's time for him to play at that nfl level and if he does that like the sky's the limit for him because just listening to him talk he's got a wealth of knowledge of actual football stuff he's very much he projects very well when he's talking about things and then you know you just look into different things and like you could you just feel something different about him this year yeah, and I don't safety's hard. So I don't know where he projects in the NFL, but like I think if he has a good year, he could be a second round pick. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really hard to be a first round pick in safety, but I think he could be a second round pick. I think he could I think he could go in kind of like Jaquan Brisker. Jaquan Brisker was a second round pick who was from the moment he was picked was the starter for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Just, you don't take safeties in the first round. Like I think he could work himself into that. And if and at worst, if he continues to develop, he's gonna be um he's Jordan Fuller, who's the third round pick that goes in the camp and start gets a starting job. So it's he's like good. he's gonna play on Sundays regardless. Yeah. Where he yeah, gets drafted. Sure, but so. Yeah. Uh I, I think we finished with a quarterback last because they get all the journey the glory anyways. Uh, Jason, I didn't feel like I, I took much away from him. I think it's not because he didn't say much. I just think a lot of his conversations were about like how good he was last year, how he's going to be better this year. Someone asked him if he felt like he got snowed for the Boletnikov award, which I think like we could all argue that he should have at least been a finalist for it. Yeah, he, like he you, also, have pick, you have to pick finalists by like September. Yeah, or something. It's incredibly yeah, so stupid, it's like, honestly. And like the way the award process works, like JSN will probably win the Boletnikov because of what he did last year, this year. So yeah, basically. Uh, I mean, yeah, like thinking about it that way, I, I just think Smith and Jigba's mindset uh, really came through, and I think it kind of echoed what the other two guys were saying as well. Uh, when asked about like individual awards and stuff, he said, I'm focused on winning a national championship. Like that's all I want to do. Uh, all the individual stuff will come with that. But at the end of the day, like the focus is on winning and doing this for like teammates. Uh, then when it was brought up the Michigan game, he said it was sickening. It didn't feel real. We always thought we were just going to go to the playoff. We were just sure of it. I feel like we're going to learn from that. So you could like with those two quotes, the reason I liked them together was you can see the complacency mentioned, and then now you can see the changing focus for this team. And yeah, here's here's my thing, right? If my team is going to be complacent, be eleven and two complacent. It's like, yeah. you know, don't don't be eight and four. So, uh, listen, I. 
you all know how I feel about last season. I've, I've went on multiple rants on multiple shows, but I, I think it's, I think kind of where you're leaning, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, and I kind of I think I agree, is that, like, there's a level of honesty that it takes to admit that. And it's one of those things where, like, you can't believe there's going to be change if you're not willing to admit the problem. Like, as a fan, and that's why some people dislike some of the things that Ryan Day says, because I'm not even saying that he's optimistic. It's just so much code speak that he never, he never actually lets you know what he's thinking unless he gets mad. And so sometimes it feels like he's not worried about anything. And you're like, how are you going to get better? This is not a priority. But, you know, Ryan Day is going to code speak whatever. But when the coordinators come up, when the players especially come up, you don't want to hear them say like, oh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. We're just going to be better. Like, no, you want to hear them say like, yeah, yeah. like we and took it easy. We weren't working and we learned from it. And that is never going to happen again. Yeah. And, and I feel more confident that way. I honestly don't even I, I feel like it wasn't even like that type of complacency. I just think they felt like since it had been done the last two years, like, oh, it's just going to happen again. Like we put in the same we put in work. We did all the offseason stuff. It's just going to happen for us like it happened for them. Well, that's just not the case. Any football coach who's ever been successful in the professional will tell you, like, it's every year you start at a 0-0 slate. It doesn't matter what you did last year. It doesn't matter who returns from last year. The team's different. And, and that's, that's, like, they got complacent because they had guys who had been there before. Uh, and you also had a lot of young guys who had never been there before, but they had the same mindset. Like, we, we just got to do it this way and we'll get there. Not knowing that you need to take up the extra level. You need to take up those extra reps. You need to do all that stuff also. And, like, just competing with each other and, like, getting after it's not enough. There's, like, a lot more that goes to it from a mindset standpoint. I think that's what Smith and Jigwa was saying. Yeah, and that's why um... – and that's why Nick Saban and, and Bill Belichick are the greatest coaches of all time because their teams don't get complacent. And, and maybe I can't say that because obviously there are times that like you know they have. But like Nick Saban is like you. Nick Saban will beat somebody by thirty five and complain in the press conference. Like his ability and him and Bill Belichick's ability to maintain a standard despite who's in the program and maintain a level. Despite coaching turnovers, well, there's not really coaching turnovers in the Patriots. I guess there is. All of their defensive coordinators are head coaches. Yeah, so despite – they all suck at head coach. Now but they're, like, they're, now they're uh, defensive so, coordinators and offensive coordinator. Oh, my God. I don't want to get into that. Um, but, yeah, despite coaching turnover and all that kind of stuff, they maintain a standard. And that's why they're superhuman coaches because that's hard to do. So, yeah, I mean – it's hard to maintain that standard, and as much as it's annoying to say, anyone who plays sports understands this. Sometimes you do have to get punched in the mouth. I mean, both figuratively and literally. There are a lot of boxers and UFC fighters and things like that that are like, sometimes I don't wake up until I get punched once. Like, literally, yeah, it's like he's, a, he's crazy. I was listening to the Andrew Luck. Have you listened to that? The Andrew Luck podcast? I'm on not, Athletic but I, I know you, what you're you going to talk about. Because it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, 
But, like, they talked about Andrew Luck when he came back from his injury was literally asking Jacoby Brissett, his backup quarterback, to, like, hit him on the sidelines so he could, like, so he could feel juice and he could get used to being hit and, like, didn't go into the game with that, like, monkey on his shoulder. Like, it's unfortunate, but sometimes you need to get punched in the mouth, especially when you're young, especially when you're privileged, you think everything's going to be perfect and all this other kind of stuff. And, like, sure, it would be great if you never had to do that, but if you never had to do that, you would be Nick Saban. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually could speak a little bit from personal experience on this one because my freshman year in junior college, our team was really talented. A lot of guys, you know, we went to the in California, the CCAA does a state championship game north versus south, and we made it all the way to the state championship game. Unfortunately, lost. The next year, we're a much younger team. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, we played state last year. We made it to state. We won the conference. We won the South Southern California championship. We're going to go to state again. You know, there were growing pains. You know, the team wasn't probably as, like, there wasn't as much continuity in the locker room. There was a bunch of different stuff. There was expectations from people who weren't there that weren't following, like, the same precedent that were set, just kind of expecting it to get done because they were there. And that's just that just happens with football teams. It's just something that is a real thing mindset wise. And it takes humbling to get there because guess what? The following year they got back to making a deep run into the playoffs. So it is something that sucks for the players who leave, especially when the bad year happens. But it also is beneficial for the young guys to get humbled and then have to climb the mountain themselves because it makes them work a lot harder for it. Yeah, I mean, that, that is true. And so hopefully this is the year that we see that difference. Yeah, so that, that's really what I that's, – that's honestly all I got from JSN. I think a lot of people were just having fun with him because they're like, this guy's going to have 2,000 yards this year. Are you going to win the Heisman JSN? He's like, I don't know, man, maybe. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. But that's pretty much the vibes for all of Jackson Smith and Jigba's interviews. Uh, I would yes. I, I mean, let's let's make something newsworthy. You know, let's get Ryan Day rolling his eyes a little bit. But Ryan Day also would have been like, you know what? He's probably not wrong. All right, we got the quarterback himself, C.J. Stroud. Um, I, I think we mentioned it with Ronnie Hickman. I think there's just a lot of confidence, Ronnie Hickman. You know, last year, you know, we all talked about C.J. Stroud, and like some of the stuff he said to the media wasn't the best, and. I think this year, what he said in his press conference, he was talking kind of about how, you know, last year I was trying to be like the perfect quarterback, make sure I say everything that's just kind of like quarterback you'll, you know, uh, make sure I'm just representing the program well. And at times, like I wasn't myself. So like it came off a little awkward. It came off a little forced. And he's like, and this year I've kind of learned how to balance who I am with being still maintaining that professionalism when talking and all that stuff and being a leader and all that mixed into it. And he just kind of went on and talked about that. And you could, you could see what throwing for what six touchdowns and like 500 yards in the Rose bowl does for a person's confidence to at the big 10 media day. I mean, Hey, (laughs) it would do something for mine. Yeah. I don't think anyone could ever talk to me again if I did what CJ Stroud did in the Rose bowl. So his humbleness is honestly impressive. Yeah, um, I would have. I'll be honest. I, I, 
I would have Maurice Claretted this. I would have moved to Los Angeles, <laughs> and I would have just started training for the NFL draft. I'm weak. I would have signed um, a Nike contract, and I said, let's get this done. That's funny. Supplemental draft. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of things I want to touch on, and this is going to lead perfectly not to the next quote, but to the third one. I've noticed this all offseason. I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, actually, no. It's going to lead me to the first one. First one. I've mentioned it a couple of times. CJ Stroud has been acting different yeah, all yeah. offseason. Like the confidence, the swagger, like just hearing his voice on like videos when he's like coaching up the young guys and like different at different camps and that kind of stuff. Like he is just the veteran, like which is crazy because can he even buy alcohol legally? Uh, yeah, he can, right? Uh, he can in the I think he was 19 last year. I think he's only 20. Well, where he was vacationing, he could legally buy alcohol. And yeah, but he can't hear. Yeah, 20. I mean, he's I mean, going to be 21 October 3rd. Yeah, yeah, he's Dude, 20. He was born and, in and 2001, like, man. That is That yeah, does not make yeah, me crazy. feel good. No, it doesn't. Not at all. Just, just honestly, just sick work. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... He's just different. He's like he's the elder statesman, and it's so crazy. And I think going into this, person born in two thousand one is the elder statesman. Uh, God, don't talk about it. Um, and 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 so like so you put on here. You said shocked about what fame of QBs at Ohio State actually is like. Also talked about how much he enjoys touching and inspiring people. I mean, bro, like CJ Stroud is throwing the ball to Ocho Cinco. And yeah. like, and not even just like I work with Avery Johnson. Is that his last name? Yeah. Quincy Avery. Quincy Quincy Avery, Avery. No. Avery Johnson, Avery. the coach of Alabama, or used to be. No, yeah, it is. There's a lot. There's a. He was a former basketball coach I think, for the Nets. Avery. Who's the Who's the QB guy? Quincy, Quincy Avery. Avery. Um, and it's not just like I'm working with Quincy Avery and he has guys here. Like no, like him, Justin Fields, and some other quarterback were literally just like in a workout with Ocho Cinco and like some other Ocho Cinco on his tippy toes, some, like some other like freaking NFL players and stuff like that. And like you know, as one of the as an Ohio State quarterback and just one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, and the guy who won it, he's getting invited to. Um, of course, I'm going to forget it when I say it. Elite 11, and he's the coach, and, like, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Like, yeah, the fame is crazy. And just seeing him in these places, like, he looks natural. Like, just seeing him throwing balls next to Justin Fields and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, like, this dude is a dude. And also, the fame that Ohio State brings is crazy. Like, I mean, it really is. He's 20 in these rooms with literal legends, Hall of Famers, doing all this other kind of stuff. And, and then also people are looking up to him. Like, if you're a 15-year-old quarterback uh, or even an 18-year-old quarterback and C.J. Stroud says, hey, drop your leg, drop your elbow, right? Drop your elbow, uh, swivel your hips this way, your feet's not at the target, you're going to do everything he said. You're going to drop the elbow, you're going to put your feet at the target, and you're going to generate power from the hips. Like, whatever he says, you're going to do it. And so it's just like, yeah. He's been moving different all offseason, and I can definitely see, like, you don't know what that fame is going to do until it does it. But, like, I mean, like, C.J. Stroud could, like, go – I mean, he probably – I don't know that he wants to, but I don't even know if they do this. But, like, he could go drop the puck at a hockey game. He could – maybe not the Indians. I don't know how much they care about football, but, like, he could first – he could first, first pitches, yes. 
mean, they get first pitch the Clippers. And he's the That's Columbus. He can right? go to for free pretty much. Yeah, they you know, actually so pay him like, to go. Yeah, so it's just like, yeah, I mean, he's been acting different. And, and yeah, I, I can see being shocked by what the fame of being Ohio State's quarterback does. But, but also going just kind of maybe skipping ahead, unless you want to comment on this, I'll let you bring in the third point. But just the fact that he's still humble yeah. amongst all of this. Like, I'm sorry, you said that you would have moved Maurice Claret in it. Yeah, absolutely. If, if I get a phone call from Ocho Cinco or T.O. talking about come throw me, stop it. Yeah, Don't ever talk to me again. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm like, signing I'm an agent. Not, I'm having him I'm take care of all my endorsements, <laughs> and we're just getting out. Or I'm just writing out the set I am to. I'm just playing quarterback <laughs> at Iowa State for five years. Yeah, like, I'm not built to handle that. Like, like Ocho Cinco called me, bro. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, don't call my phone <laughs> yeah i was like you pranking me no i'm just kidding but yeah no honestly my final point on this is once i saw cj stroud sit down in the mercedes g-wagon like it like not like it was a car that was being gifted to him like he deserved the car i was like yeah no this is this guy's gonna torch the entire country next year <laughs> like it's like yeah, so once he sat down in that G-Wagon, I knew it was going to be different for him. But, yeah, the third point, I, I it, it really just shows the great – like this is like where like me saying I had Maurice Claret or well, who's the receiver who did it with him? Like uh, I can't remember. But I don't they, even know. They went and bought a house in L.A. and were like going to train for the draft and stuff. Um, but I, I like Ryan Day saying, I think it says a lot about CJ for – oh, wait, let's read the second comment first because that's the comment he's talking about. I would probably counteract me having success last year. I feel like maybe I did, but honestly, I don't think I really did a lot. I feel like I barely touched my potential. I feel like I can do a lot more. Uh, and then when it came to a bunch of the losses, he said a lot of that's on me as a leader. Uh, some of these games and all that, we just weren't playing to our best. And that starts with me. And I'm going to hold that weight on my shoulders as like the quarterback of this team and all that stuff, that good stuff. And then Ryan Day said, I think it says a lot about CJ for him to make that comment on who he is as a person, because when you look at the two losses, I don't think he played that bad in those two games. I don't think CJ Stroud was the problem, but for him to say that and for him to take on those losses says a lot about who he is as a leader. I mean, I just see like my biggest takeaway from big 10 media days is the kids are growing up. Honestly. Yeah. They, they grow up so fast right before their eyes. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it, it really shows a lot because like, as much as I joke, like, his it, his mindset is number one for his teammates, number two for himself. Everything, just like Jackson Smith and Jigba said, it's not about, like, the individual stuff. Like, we want to win a championship. We want everyone to succeed. Like, that's our goal. And we're going to do everything in our power to make that happen. And that's, that's just – it's a mindset like you feel like everybody has, but like when you see what CJ Stroud's capable of on a football field, then he also has that mindset. It changes like the perspe- the perception of it. Yeah, for sure. And everyone definitely does not have that mindset. No, it's true. Like I'm sure Sean Clifford will say all the same stuff, but like I've seen what Sean Clifford can do. Like you could have the mindset all you want, but I, I, you can't throw like <laughs> CJ Stroud can throw. Nah, you're not. You're not the potential first pick in the draft. Yeah. All righty. Uh, 
to close out, like I, I mean, I don't want to get into everybody else today. I'm going to get rid of that part of the show plan. But I feel like we still need to talk about Kevin Warren, and then we'll just kind of get our little camp preview in. And I think next week we'll probably do a much more in-depth, like, first week of camp, here we go type of thing for you guys. But Kevin Warren, uh, I mean, let's go. Let's just go one through three because that's the order I took him out. Uh, and just kind of comment on this attitude change. And I know a lot of people are still naysayers about this guy, but I bought into the Kevin Warren structure. And I know you've got some other stuff to add to this as well. But I think it starts with that first one. People had a perception of me coming into the industry and they were going to do everything they possibly could to make sure their perception became a reality, which actually helped me because I didn't have any allies in this business. It gave me space and the time to really work on a lot of things that are coming to life now. All these things were we're doing right now we're already on my interview sheet for the big 10 job so uh, tv negotiations conference expansion making the big 10 a business it's all there and that's what kevin warren came to do uh unfortunately he started off by canceling the football season which i don't think anyone in any industry would ever really come back from but you know you add usc and ucla you start making a few friends yeah, and I mean, I think he, I think people have been on his bandwagon a little bit more than that. I would just like to say, I've been I've been thinking about this all day. Do I need to apologize to Kevin Warren, or was I justifiably critical? And I'm going to go justifiably critical, but I will also say because I think that I like to be realistic that he has changed his image and I like some of the things that he says of like, listen, these are things that I wanted to do and that I've been about, but I started in the pandemic. Like I started in the pandemic happened and, you know, I think that he's learned a lot. I think that like we were talking before, he's learned a lot about like, yes, you can make these changes, but you also need to have certain people on your side. Like you need to have certain ADs and presidents and different things rooting for you. Cause if not like nothing, you could, you could like, you could be giving everyone a raise and they still would talk trash behind your back if they don't like you. And that is directly benefiting them. Like, so I think, you know, he's learned a lot of things. I think he has, gotten better with his leadership style, his communication style, things like that. And if you listen to him, which I don't I don't know why he needs to lie about it, he's showing his true self. I don't know if you have it on here, but um he talked about how like he's always been an aggressive person and like this is his, you know, this is his um this is his personality and things like that. And I'm like, all right, hold on, like let me find out that, you know, yeah. Uh, let, let me find out that you're actually about this life. So it's like, yeah, he, uh, yeah. What's the line? He changed his perception a lot. Yeah. I think, I mean, we could jump to three. I think that's kind of where you're hinting at. Like he says, I've always been a very confident person. I'm not a person that will be governed by fear. I'm not concerned about what people think about me. I'm not concerned about failing or making a mistake. My confidence hasn't changed at all, but I will never be arrogant. Today we've had a good day. I'll strive to be better tomorrow. Yeah, and I mean, I think to get through what he was going through in that first, like, six months of being the Big Ten Conference Commissioner, you have to have a very deep-rooted self-belief. And 
to not only come out from that and be better, and now you're going to have the opportunity to reconstruct college football in a way in your image because of the power that you wield as a Big Ten commissioner, it's really, I mean, he's put himself in a very, very powerful position with the confidence of all 16 athletic directors in the Big Ten and all 16 university presidents. And that's something that I don't think I can say for a lot of commissioners in any sport. Yeah, I mean... I agree. I I would just like to take the second to say that, like, it's hard to say right now, but I think that Kevin uh, has a chance to prove himself in the next couple of years as the best commissioner in college football because I'm kind of tired of Greg Sankey. Uh, And it's not even because of the SEC thing. I just think that he thinks he's the smartest person in the room, and he's not. He's done a lot of dumb things. He's done a lot of really smart things, right? Getting Texas and Oklahoma is really smart. like, uh, But he's also done a lot of really dumb things. And so, like... Like, you know, uh, signing a media deal with only one person, with only one organization. Like, Ohio, like the Big Ten, Ohio State's media deal, because Ohio State is the Big Ten, but the Big Ten's media deal is going to blow the SECs out of the water. Absolutely. And, and it re- I'm not even saying that it should. A part of it is because it didn't go to open market. Yeah. Like, not only did you sign the ESPN, you signed the ESPN in their uh, 30-day um, thirty day. I don't know the exact the the, the direct term for it, but it, it's basically they have a thirty day negotiating window and where you can't talk to anybody else. So like you didn't even see what Fox's offer was. You didn't see what CBS's offer was. Maybe you had some back conversations and things like that. But your offer never went to open market. That's just not how business works. That's not smart. It's yeah. just not. So it's like. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think you can say that because you don't know what uh, you don't know what the Pac-12 commissioner is going to be. I believe he's better than Jim Phillips and he's better than um, Klyovkov. So, but you don't know what the Big 12's commissioner is going to be. He has a lot of background. So, but you know, three, four years, five, couple years with them in the Big Ten, um, USC and UCLA. I think he could really solidify himself as that best commissioner because. I don't know, man. Sankey, Sankey be borderline. He be on some real stupid stuff. And so Sankey, it's just like... for better or worse, is for his his schools, it, but in Sankey's way, not in... Yeah. Like, I, I think one thing you talked about before the show is, like, Kevin Warren didn't want the Big Ten to just be a conference. He wanted it to be a business, and he wanted to be a brand and a corporation and operate like that because that's the way it's going to be its most successful. And I just think that really is the mindset shift in college football. And I I mean, I I think that takes it to the last quote. He's like, uh, if a conference, like, because people were asking him about, like, going after teams and conferences and all that stuff. And he said, if a conference is allegedly on the brink, there are many more issues than members leaving. There are deeper issues. And those deeper issues are TV deals, grant of rights, that type of stuff. He said, I'm not promoting conferences facing a crisis or going out of business, not at all, but I come out of the NFL for 21 years. In the NFL, either you succeed or you fail. That's not only on the field. I'm talking about in business, operationally. You either have your fan base or you don't. And it's about the money. 
it's what it makes college football valuable to universities. It's what makes the kind of sporting world go round in a lot of ways. It's money. Like, when was the last time an NFL team wasn't profitable? <laughs> so at the end of the day, that mindset is going to help all 14 current members in the Big Ten, the two future members in USC and UCLA. And however they want to build it, there is already a structure monetarily to follow, a way to negotiate. Like the NFL is negotiating with streamers right now. They have their Thursday night football game on Amazon Prime. You don't think when Kevin Warren was still there, they weren't already kind of envisioning that plan because the NFL's like for what it's worth, like Roger Goodell isn't liked, but the NFL has been very, very successful in his tenure uh, from an on the field business standpoint, everything else, you know, there's a lot of problems still, but yeah, but, but the, reason, the reason why Ryan uh, Roger Goodell is not liked by fans, he is loved by the owners, yeah, and that's who he works for. Yeah, like Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell does not work for the players, and he does not work for fans. Yeah, he works for the owners. Kevin um, Warren works for the Big Ten Conference, the presidents yeah. and the ads, like. But I don't know how that hiring process works, but they hired him, and I, I think he's in a good place. I, I just really think, like we talked about it with C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Chigba, and Ronnie Hickman, but like he was talking with his chest a little bit. He, he he's oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's not. He's definitely like hey, like me and George Kliukov haven't talked since the alliance thing happened. And we broke it, and we took USC and UCLA. We're meeting after Pac-12 media day, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, he was talking his shit. The one thing that I liked, uh, you know, you, I'm guessing he wouldn't lie about it, but it, if it's true, it shows his vision. He's like, I've been talking about this since my interview. Like, yeah. I came into my interview with expansion options. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, like, that's true. That's crazy. Also, so I was reading this thing. The Minnesota athletic director is part of the reason he got this job. He approached him because, you know, Minnesota is right next to the Vikings. They used to share the same man. field uh, for a while. Um, that he approached him about the job and, like, put him up to the committee, basically. So there were people who did believe in him for sure. Um, so, I mean, the one thing I'll say. And maybe the message would change, right, if you were a different conference because you do work for the conference and you work for the the presidents and stuff like that. I'm glad we don't got Jim Phillips. Jim Phillips is not impressing me. No, like he's he, very- like, and again. I don't know. Maybe the message would change if it was the Big Ten versus the ACC. But you can't go to Big Ten media days and say we should be in gated, we shouldn't be in gated communities, and we care about academics. And nah, nobody yeah, wants to hear that. Nah. Nobody wants to hear that. He's the reason the football, the college football playoff, didn't get expanded. And now Kevin Warren's got more control than ever. He's like, yeah, I don't even really care about auto bids anymore. Yeah, that's a change. They're like, yeah, we'll get three teams. The SEC will get three teams, and you guys can scrap for the rest. Yep. It's just kind of like they don't have to watch out for those guys anymore. It's not an equal playing field. They're not on equal levels. Uh And that's just the way it is. That's like what happens. And you didn't want to play the game the first time. This is what happens. 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't really got much else to say about this except, like, uh, for there's no other way to say it, so excuse my language. He was talking his shit. Um, I would just like to say that whether they will never say it, but Ohio State has a lot of influence on what's going on right now. His second in command or someone really high up was uh, is from Ohio State. It's a woman. She was really high up with um, Gene Smith, and he said he was sad yeah. to lose her. She's working there, providing some legitimacy for the conference. Um, and Gene Smith and Ryan Day have been almost, what's the word, too congratulatory? To Kevin Warren. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it kind of makes I, you I feel, feel like, like it's like a, you like, scratch my back, I scratch yours. Yeah. You do some things that make us happy. We will make sure everybody likes you type thing because we have that power. But there's not too many people that's going to go and talk against what Gene Smith or Ryan Day is saying, especially Gene Smith because he has the cachet. Ryan Day has some because, you know, he's the coach of Ohio State, but Gene Smith is one of the top five ABs in the nation and has been on a million committees and oversights and all this kind of stuff. So I, I feel like, uh, you know, they um, there's something going on there. There's some yeah. colluding there. Uh and as it should be, you you need to cater to your top brands. Absolutely. You need to cater to your money makers. And not catering to your top brands is a recipe for disaster. That's how you end up in the ACC Impact 12 issues. And that's why Texas and Oklahoma leave your conference. Uh, that's why uh, USC leaves your conference. Yeah. So, you know, you got to cater a little bit. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get back to some football stuff. I, I just thought we had to give Kevin Warren some credit. That guy had a bad rap. He's really on the image repair trail. He's an alpha now. Uh, he's in charge, and he can't. Oh, wait, I'm, I have one last thing to say. This is my truly my last thing right. to say on this. This is what I put in the uh, in the chat earlier today or yesterday. Kevin Warren is playing chess, not checkers. Yeah. So he comes in right. He he creates the alliance. He blocks the playoff. In blocking the playoff, he says, we need automatic bids. We weren't in the room. We create the alliance, blocks the playoff, says we need automatic bids, which is putting in something in the room that he knows is not going to get solved. Yep. The playoff gets stopped. He then mentions and or leaks that he just happens to feel that other partners should be involved, like Fox. Okay, so the playoffs, the stuff stops. Wait a couple of months. He then takes USC and UCLA from the Pac-12, right? Brings them in, makes the Big Ten much stronger, much more powerful, all this other kind of stuff. And then he just so happens to no longer believe the one thing that he believed that stopped playoff expansion. He no longer believes he's going to soften his stance on automatic qualifiers, Chess not checkers. You get it stopped. You make sure that Fox is going to be at the table, and then you strengthen your brand, your brand, and then you go back to the table with a stronger position, and you do what you wanted to do anyways. But now you're stronger. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have Chess. to work for other. You don't have to work with other people now. You can make the demands, and that's true. And I think him and Greg Sankey both are very comfortable just expanding the playoff. 
And if, guess what, the other teams don't want to do it, they'll just start their own playoff with the two conferences, and then you can just join when you have the freedom to. Yeah. Money. All right. Uh, not a lot of time to do our, our camp, our mini camp. Not mini camp as in, like, the NFL mini camp, but, like, a, a little, like, a few news and notes, uh, a few questions heading into um, – Fall camp because it starts next week and then next week we'll just it's gonna be all ball we're just gonna go football I don't care what news comes out we're gonna do our Ohio State preview like predictions going into camp superlatives all that stuff maybe not next week we're gonna do it at some point God it's hard to schedule this stuff we don't know what's gonna happen next week we don't even know if I'm gonna be here next week you know like but all jokes aside I'm gonna be here next week I haven't missed a show in years Uh, camp preview. All right, injuries. This is actually good news out of media day. Only one player expected to be out at the start of fall camp. Uh, the best ability is availability, and unfortunately, I thought Mitchell Melton, like, in the spring, was one of those players everyone was talking about, like, hey, this guy's going to be a big-time player this year. Was one of the guys playing in the jack linebacker position. Uh, big body, very athletic. Uh, not going to be there. Hurt his knee in the spring game. But overall, like, having no injuries for – starting caliber players is such a big drop and like Lathan Ransom they're going to ease him back in and all that stuff but him being prepared to even participate is an insane thing like looking back to last season so just getting started I think that's great news yeah I agree 1000% um that's the type of news that you want to hear, um, especially because it's not key positions. People are coming back healthy, that kind of stuff. And then you truly get, you know, your best players on the field, right? Like we, it can't be understated. And there's better depth this year, thankfully, but it can't be understated how impactful it was to lose some some depth in some positions. I mean, Bryson Shaw wasn't supposed to be starting last year, so. I was due to an injury. Um, so it's yeah. like, you know, um, to one of the most important players on the team and Josh Proctor. So it's like to be able to go into camp and hopefully stay healthy throughout camp. Um, but at, at a minimum to start camp healthy is a, it's a, a very huge positive. A huge blessing. You get better looks at guys like Josh Fryer, you know, who've been out. You get Lathan Ransom back into the mix, which will be huge for depth at a lot of positions. Plus he's a versatile player. Like he's, not a big safety, but he's not a small nickel safe, a nickel corner. So, like, he's a good tweener. He can provide some coverage. He could also provide some run support, like, a little bit different than Cam Martinez's body type as well. You know, I think there's a good mix of people coming back that are going to provide their value in ways that you can't really predict until the season comes. But having them is the most important thing. Yeah, you're not lying. Not lying at all. So, yeah. Big positive. Yeah, Josh Proctor being back is just my favorite thing. Uh, I, mean, I, I just want him to put it together one year. Because every time, like, he just always flashes. Like, even in the Minnesota game before he hurt his leg, like, he had a pick and it got called back. But it was an incredible play. Uh, I think it's going to help that he's going to be in the right position. Yeah. Uh, he's looking much bigger, too. Like, I, I think, like, being a free safety, like a true free safety, he kind of was a tweener with his weight. But now, I mean, he's been hitting the rehab hard, and you can see him, like, he's bulked up quite a bit. 
and he was already kind of hitting people like a truck. So should be fun this year. Um, outside of that, I, I think the I, I kind of I, I almost mix this in with the biggest questions that I I have. Um, but the position battles, there's not a lot this year. There really aren't like a crazy amount of position battles. Uh, the backup quarterback position, uh, it's Kyle McCord, but just kind of what we hear about like Devin Brown, like he came in, he came in prepared. Like they're they're probably both going to play a little bit. Uh, to if if Devin like I, I don't know how like Kyle McCord's obviously the backup. I, I want to make that very clear, but. There is going to be an opportunity for Devin Brown to shine without any pressure at all in practice, running scout team and stuff, and doing a bunch of different things that, you know, we don't see. But I I just think that's a battle that's going to get set up throughout the season that we won't see for the next season. That's why I want to be the first one. Yeah, for sure. I genuinely don't think. Like, no disrespect, because Devin Brown's my guy, but I don't think there's anything he can do to take that job. Yeah, no chance he's the backup this year, unless, like, something insane. I don't even know if I've ever heard of a backup quarterback getting hurt. But, yeah, Devin Brown, like, his job this year is to be the backup to the backup, which means doing all the other stuff that the two guys who have game day responsibilities won't be doing. And that's honestly a huge opportunity to grow and – it's a battle that is not this year, not yet, but in the future. And I just think it's it's interesting to follow because Ryan Day has already said Devin Brown's like leaps and bounds ahead of where he thought he'd be. And I, I don't usually hear Ryan Day gassing up young quarterbacks like that. Yeah, I think that um, – <laughs> I think that um, – That also could mean he didn't think he was going to be any good when he got there. Yeah, I, I doubt that. <laughs> the third string quarterback, I think, also runs the scout team, which means you're not practicing much of your offense, but you're getting a million reps. Yeah. So like that's and he's getting those reps against the number ones. Yeah, so, there's a lot uh, of that's going to make him better as far as mechanics that, you know, a lot of kind of stuff that is going to help him when he actually is throwing, you know, the Ohio State offense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This one, I I wouldn't even really necessarily call it a position battle, but it's going to be interesting to see how the corner position ends up lining up the amount of, like, rep sharing and all that stuff. Who who shows the ability that they can play on Saturdays? I think Denzel Burke and Cam Brown are locked into the two starters heading into the season. But J.K. Johnson and Jordan Hancock, I I, like – really the amount they play is going to come from how well they play in fall camp and preparing for the season. Like they, I like, you don't want, you want the ability to rotate and save legs and stay fresh till the end of the season. And having four legitimate corners that you could have not rotate series, but you know, Hey, Denzel Burke played three series. Let's give them a blow and you could go in for the first three plays and we'll get Denzel Burke back in. And having that trust is huge. So it's not really a position battle either. It's just more kind of how do the snaps get decided? Like who's going to be the first guy in if Denzel Burke or Cam Brown, like, you know, get taken out of the game because they run a deep route and then they're just like, oh, we need to pull them out. They're going no huddle. We get another corner in the game, like that type of stuff. The small stuff. Who's the third guy? Uh, I'm going to go on a limb here. 
and say that there is a chance. I, I, I can't say overtake because I think that's a little disrespectful, but I think that it's really 2A and 2B where one of them, probably Jordan Hancock, can get to a position where he is legitimately even with Cameron Brown and yeah. taking the same number of snaps or even a little bit more. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think that Cameron Brown's position is locked. I think it's locked in like yeah, he's going to be in a rotation. He's going to, but I, I think yeah, it could be like two corners never leave the field, or it could be we have three starters, and I'm leaning towards three starters. That's right. I'm at So yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting. And speaking of the nickel, I, I just think that's not really going to be a position with a true starter. I think Tanner McAllister is going to get the first snaps, but I just think that is just a positional flexibility for Jim Knowles, and he's going to use that to be like the matchup fixer in a lot of ways. Yeah. So So. you've got Cam Martinez, you've got Tanner McAllister, you've got Lathan Ransom, you've got tons of people who could – Kai Stokes who probably play there a little bit depending on who you're playing. You take that position completely off the field, put another linebacker in if you need to. Lots going on with that one. Uh, but I, I just think – I can't even really call that a competition. I just think that's just one place where you're going to see quite a few different body types play there. Yeah. I'm, uh, speaking of, you know, just DBs and safeties in general and that kind of stuff, I think it's um, – I'm going to be very interested to see where certain people play because yeah. I think they're playing out of position. And I think we're already starting to see that change with Josh Proctor going to uh, – I don't even know. I don't even remember what they call it, but the bandit, technically right? strong safety. Whatever they call it is a strong safety. And Ronnie Hickman going to free safety. So I'm going to be interested to see where Cam Martinez plays because they kept trying to put him deep, and I think he should be a nickel. It's going to be interesting where Lathan Ransom plays because they kept trying to play him at nickel, and he should be deep because he can't guard anyone one-on-one. Um, like, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Like you said, I don't, I don't know if you can really call it a, a position battle and that kind of stuff, but I am definitely going to be intrigued. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I could call it a position battle just because of the fact uh, I, I of the matter is I think you're, you know the three guys are going to be taking the first snaps, honestly, if all things go well. Uh, Linebacker is the next one. Uh I, I just really, like, you know, Cody Simon and Tommy Eichenberg were the first two guys on the field last year, I believe. Uh, you've got Taraja Mitchell in the mix uh, as an older guy. You've got tons of young guys who are going to be looking to make a statement there. you got another running back in with Steel Chambers. you got Chip Trainum, the two guys who were former running backs playing linebacker. Uh, it's a lot of bodies. It's a lot of people. Uh, it's a fresh set of eyes on the group. I, I, I think Tommy's been getting a lot of hype from us and from Jim Knowles himself. So I think we're in good company with that hype. I don't know who the second guy is going to be, though. I couldn't honestly tell you. I think it's Steel Chambers. Uh, but like to commit to those two guys being the guys from week one to week 12, I just can't do it. I agree. I agree. I'm going to save my linebacker hot takes for another day. 
Um, but I will say that that is the position that I am watching most closely because I am not convinced on anyone but Tommy. And when I say I'm convinced on Tommy, I say that I know what Tommy is and he is acceptable. Now, Tommy can be good, potentially even great if everything that's being said and the work and all that other kind of stuff is put in. Because like I said, he he I mean he had like fifteen tackles and a half yeah. or something crazy in, in the, the spring state. game, like fifteen, sixteen tackles against Utah. I think that he can improve to even better than what we think he's going to be. But I'm sold on him because I know what he is. And at his worst, he is serviceable. And at his best, he could be, you know... I don't. I don't want to go as far to say he's going to put fear in anybody because you know yeah, he's more of a traditional style middle linebacker. But he could, you know, he could. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He could set a, a set a tone. Yeah, he could set a standard. I'd say at best. Yeah, I think he he honestly could set the floor for the linebacker room. Honestly, you know what I'm saying? Like if his like he. His worst should be the floor, like what he was like, like being able to get on the field. You know what I'm saying? Like being a 10, 12 tackle guy and like sometimes missing your gap responsibility. Like him being great will be exceptional, but his worst line, like, like he won't be as bad as last year at times. Like I think you could see his improvement from week one to 12. And like, I just think there's too much. I, I want to see Steel Chambers be stronger. I, I don't like Chip, I don't think it, as much as we're hyping him up, isn't going to play that much. I don't think, uh, and we're not hyping him up. But like as much as he's getting hyped up because he's a transfer in and he's a new face, uh, I, I really think it's going to be CJ, uh, Gabe Powers, and then a mix of the older guys. Um, you're forgetting one. Am I forgetting Reed? He's probably going to start. Yes, Reed Carico is probably going to be the starting. What do they call that? The Sam. Is it Sam or Will? Yeah, it's, it's the Sam. Sam. Yeah, the, the Sam, Sam one, the one that they take off the field. field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, I think he's. there's a good chance he's the starting uh, Sam. Yeah, for sure. Do they actually – I mean, I know everyone calls like, – like, like the traditional way is Sam, Mike, Will. Is that actually what they call their linebackers, or do they have yeah, names that we just don't know? It's Mike and Will. Okay. Uh, there's there's no there's no uh no specialty names there. No. There, there's no originality, no bandits, none of that. No, no, Mike and Will. And Leo's not even a real name. It's a nickname. It's a Jack, which is also real. Yeah. But I will say, and this is just a little anecdote, uh they did Coy McFarland posted that they were doing a little uh Cajun cookout because he's a southern guy. And I saw the blankest stare on Tommy Eikenberg's face, and I don't know if it's because the food was spicy or not, but he just has he has that look. He he's a linebacker through and through, honestly. Cool. And then, yeah, we kind of mentioned earlier backup OL. Like, I don't think we need to go into this one much right now, but it's important. It is incredibly important because the first five we've said it so much this offseason. Really good, incredible. Should be better than last year. The depth behind it, though, questionable. Yep. That's what happens when everyone you recruit is 700s in the nation. Yeah, and not your first option, second option, third option, or fourth option because you don't make enough calls. He who must not be named. But, yeah, I mean, 
Like, honestly, there's really not that many position battles this year, which is nice. Not a lot of drama, not a lot of hot takes for this. But we'll still see him. Why isn't this guy playing? It's like, dude, I don't know. He didn't play at all last year. Why would you expect him to overtake starters? Ooh, that don't, get, don't, don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. All right. Well, well since we're, we're pushing an hour 50, we'll go. We'll go PTI. Big finish here on the biggest questions heading in. And then we'll, we'll get into these a little bit more in depth when we do our Ohio State camp preview like the full camp preview season preview whatever like the mixture of it all uh biggest question marks all right first question will the physicality be back on both sides of the ball in 2022 yes no maybe so we'll see i'm not confident enough to give an answer yeah i i think I think Ohio State last year was a bully. I think that's the term you use. They beat up the really bad teams, were very aggressive, and then when someone could punch back, they folded. Uh, I just don't want to see them folded on this year. Like, you don't have to be the freaking 1985 Bears, but, like, we need to have some chest sticking out yeah. this, about this group. So that's where I'm at with it. Like, level of physicality, I just want to pick up dirt and once consistently, honestly. And stop third and ones consistently. Man. Uh, before you get to the next one, I'm going to add one. Will Ryan Day be more creative with the play call? Which is a crazy thing to say about him, but like, you know, what, will he stop only running out of pistol? And will he stop only running out of only center? And uh, will, he, will, will he bring back gap scheme runs? Uh, I say no, but I, I just hope it's because of what Justin Fry said. Like, it shouldn't matter. Like, we're just better than you, and we're going to beat you at what we do best. I guess. But I just say I can't be confident in it. It's been three years now. Uh, can the linebacker group not be a weakness this year? Back to the linebackers. I hope. I, I can only hope. I just, look at the, I just look at the team, and I look at the roster, and I'm like, strength, 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 strength. And then just one group just sticks out way above the rest is like, man, this is still a really, really big question mark. And it's the best position on the field. Yeah, so I I don't think there'll be a weakness, but I can't say that confidently, and that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Your next one is, will the defensive scheme excel immediately? That, that's an open-ended question because we've got some we've got some bad teams. Notre Dame isn't known as an offensive juggernaut. Uh, when will it actually be truly tested? You know, that's kind of my question. You know, I, I think when I asked it, my thought process went to: Will they be as bad against the run as they were last year? And if they're not, that's excelling to me. I mean, that's a start. Yeah, and. Anything built upon stopping the run consistently is excelling to me. And I I think they'll be fine in pass coverage. I actually don't really have much worry about the back end at all. It's really just the front six and just kind of what they do when it comes to run responsibility. And if that's better, watch out, guys. It'll be a dangerous year. Uh, Last year, this was a big one. 
Defensive game day, staff responsibilities. We kind of never knew what anyone was doing on any given day. I feel like it's going to be very clear this year. Will we know who's on the field, what they're doing on the field, and why they're on the field this year, or will it still be a confusing mess? That I'd know the answer. Uh, oh, you said staff responsibilities. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm confident that staff and players will know exactly what they're doing. I don't think... They executed something different, but everyone will know exactly what they're doing. He's going to make sure of that. Yeah, I don't think knowledge is going to be... Knowledge and organization are not going to be the issues with Ohio State's defense this year. On the staff and on the field for the players. And yeah, that's all I got today. I told you it was going to be a loaded show. That's kind of why we didn't do one of our previews. We've got the Big Ten left, and we've got a soft group of five one. But, I mean, we've got plenty of time. we still got another month, so we'll get into those. Any final thoughts today, Jordan? I don't got anything left. I don't have a final thought. I'm just happy to be talking about real football. I can't wait for the games. <laughs> Next week, it's time. Like, it's football. It's football season. We're back to what we do best. None of this <laughs> – NIL stuff. It's not even real. They just, I mean, they've been doing that the whole time if you ask most message boards. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's it for me. You can follow the show at Buck Off Pod and you can follow me at Chris Rennie CFB. Where do we find you at, Jordan? Jordan W330. And yeah, make sure if you have a coach you actually think can replace Ryan Day, we're looking at all you crazy people who really need a new coach. Mickey Mouse Ryan Day. Uh, comment tell us Please. and we'll evaluate it uh, and we'll tell you you're wrong because I don't know a lot of coaches who have made two playoffs and I go on forever that's it for me that's it we're done go Bucks.